I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six-week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR or HR director, or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level. And the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you. Or you can learn more by going to my website, Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. Welcome to HR Coffee Time, a podcast to help you have a successful and fulfilling HR career without working yourself into the ground. I'm your host, Faye Wallace, a career coach and outplacement specialist with a background in HR, and I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. And in this week's episode, I am tackling a topic that I'm worried you're going to think is really boring. That is how to write really effective work emails that get results. So if you can feel the boredom washing all over you, please try and fight that feeling away. I promise it's not a boring topic. I have got such a brilliant speaker, Kim Arnold, who's going to talk to you all about it. And she is fantastic and engaging and she's written a brilliant book. I never thought in my life I would buy a book about writing emails. But what do you know, I bought hers and I can't recommend it highly enough. And I know that as an HR professional, you need to constantly communicate by email for a whole host of reasons, whether that's to pass work along to a colleague, whether it's to try to get a senior stakeholder on board with an idea, whether you need to pass on crucial information to the entire workforce to get people to take action or to implement something, or maybe even to confirm happy or sad news. Now, if you're lucky enough to have an internal communications or committed marketing team to tap into, you may be getting some support with this already. But even if you are lucky enough to be in that position, I know that what Kim can share with you will be an enormous help so that you find that people look forward to opening your emails, they don't ignore them, you get the replies you're hoping for and people take the action that you need them to take. Kim, it is so fantastic to have you here today. And before I launch into asking you to introduce yourself, I just want to let you know that I absolutely love this sentence I read about you, which says that you show organisations how to talk and write in a way that inspires action, 
instead of inducing a coma. Well, I, I hope I live up to that today, Faye, in this conversation. I've, I've set myself quite a high bar there, haven't I? <laughs> yes. If I get complaints that people slipped into a coma whilst listening to this, I'll be coming back to you to let you know. <laughs> I think you should. I think you should. But apart from me, having said a little bit about you and what everyone can expect from this episode together today, it would be fantastic if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and the work that you do. Absolutely. So I'm Kim Arnold. I'm author of the book Email Attraction, which is all about how to write emails that make people jump into action. I'm also founder of Email Engagement, which is a licensed programme's programme for organisations to train all of their staff how to write emails that, that get results. So I'm a, a word nerd and total email geek. Um, my background's in, in marketing and communications um, and I've also worked as a copywriter. So I sort of sit in that intersection between business and writing and hopefully help business people become better writers by understanding a bit more about communication and what makes people tick. It's so important, isn't it? Because it isn't something that we're really taught about at all. And I have to say, I never, ever thought that I would be buying a book about how to write emails. But your book is so fantastic. It's written in a really entertaining way. And it's bright and colourful and has illustrations. And in fact, it's so good that I've bought it as a present <laughs> for someone, which uh, I, I think is always a good sign if you're buying a non-fiction book for someone as a gift. And I've recommended it to one of my clients. He bought it the other day and he said that he's gone through all of his staff with the top tips that he took from the book to encourage them all to write more fantastic emails to their clients. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it, it, it's a strange one, isn't it? Normally, I think you'd think that was your worst enemy, giving them a book on email. Um, but really, it's, it's an important topic. You know, we spend on average six years of our lives on email, which is a bit of a horrifying statistic. And yet 90% of us have never been taught how to write a good one. And it just blows my mind. And when... Um, I talk to organisations. Um, it's something that people never thought about before, that their staff are spending all this time doing something that they've just not been trained how to do. And it's taking up so much of their time. It's sapping energy. It's creating miscommunication. Um, and it's causing huge amounts of problems for organisations. So um, what I wanted to do with the book was really to teach people the fundamentals of writing great emails. There's just a really simple techniques in there, examples, hopefully making it fun um, so that we can get the most from this one activity that we spend six years of our lives on. I mean, if we think about, you know, we wouldn't drive a car without getting driving lessons imagine the car crashes that would happen so we need to avoid the sort of email car crashes and learn how to do it better brilliant and in the book in your quest to help us with this you talk about something that you call the fateful eight can you just explain what you mean by the fateful eight and maybe run us through a few of your favorites of them sure well the fateful eight really are my eight cardinal sins of, of email writing. So what are the mistakes that we we make most commonly? And the first one I would say is it's most often used is, is the info dump. 
where we think, you know what, more is more. Um, I don't know what to leave out. I'm just going to throw it all in there. Um, and here you go. And it's like sort of tipping a bin over someone's head and covering them in, in, in all sorts of stuff. We're not doing that filtering that we're meant to do. And of course, when we open that email, we're on the other side. We just think, oh, gosh, that is just too much stuff. I'm, I'm going to close it and never come back to it. So that's the first one. The second one is what I call the toddler in the sweet shop. So this is where we ask for too many things at once. This is a really common mistake. Often we worry about sending too many different emails. So we just try and shoehorn everything in. Um, lots of different topics, lots of di different action points, all in one email. And of course, we get frustrated then when our recipient comes back and might, if we're lucky, do one of the things that we've asked for. So we're we're over overwhelming them with by asking too many things. So we've had the info dump, the toddler in the sweet shop. Um, what other ones would I choose? I think the, uh, I call it my eyes, my eyes. So it's the ugly emails, the ones that are just a big, thick wall of text. No paragraphs, really long sentences, long words, so that your heart already sinks when you open that email before you've even read a word. Because we judge emails by looks as well as the words. It's like when we're eating a meal we go to a Michelin-starred restaurant and they've carefully prepared all the food because they know that we eat with our eyes first. We judge based on looks. We're very lookist when it comes to emails. So we need to make sure that our emails look as good as they sound. And then I think the final one I might choose for you today is the workout. So making people work too hard to figure out what you want them to do next. So sometimes it might be something innocent like let me know your thoughts or happy to discuss or skirting around the issues. We need to be really clear about what we want people to do. And if it's too much like hard work, we're just not going to get a response. So those are my top four, I think, for you. I'm definitely guilty of that last one, the workouts. I hadn't really realised it, though, until I read your book. And so that's one thing I've tried really hard to get better at. But it has been quite interesting for me, actually, because I've read the book, I've tried to implement lots of things, and it's so easy to start slipping back into old habits. Because one of the things I know that you're really passionate about avoiding is the boring first line of the email that most of us send. So even though I've read the book, <laughs> this is something that I still need to work on. I think I've got the workout bit nailed now. Tick. Well done, me. Feeling quite proud of myself for Yay! that. But, <laughs> but I don't know what's wrong with me when it comes to this boring first line. It seems to be so ingrained in me. To the point, Kim, where I emailed you yesterday saying, oh, hi, Kim, just confirming our podcast interview tomorrow and what we're going to be talking about. And I started it off with, I hope you're well. And as I hit send, I thought, oh no, <laughs> I think that's one of <laughs> I think that's one of the things that Kim says to never do. What what are your real thoughts on I hope you're well? Well, well, first of all, one of the occupational hazards of, of my job is that lots of people say they're too scared to email me, um, <laughs> which I suppose might be might be good for some people, but uh, I don't want to make everyone scared. So first off, please, for everyone listening, never don't worry about emailing me. No judgment. But yes, we particularly here in the UK, we use these sort of soft openings to, to emails like 
I hope you're well. I trust this email finds you well, the slightly posher version. And really what they do is waste time and space. So they are meaningless, but our intention behind them is generally really positive. So we want to um, sound friendly. We want to uh, not just go straight in there with our ask. We want to start to build a relationship with people. And that's why we do lean on these, um, these sort of soft openers. The problem with them is that they are often generic. So that I hope you're well is a, is a perfect case in point. It's just something that we slap on every email. So in sound, trying to sound kind of friendly and personable, actually, we, we often end up doing the opposite. So we end up just sounding like this is a bit of a cut and paste email that we've not put much thought into. So what I would encourage people to do is, is one of two things. Either just get straight to it. You are allowed to not have a soft opener, particularly if you are emailing someone who is quite concise in the way that they communicate. Perhaps they you know, write very short emails. It might be senior management in your organisation. I work with several managers you know, who might just write one, one line emails always. Yes, no, do it. Stop. Speak to so-and-so. So you don't always need that soft opening. But if you do and you know the person, try and make it personal to them. Even if it was, did you enjoy the sunshine at the weekend? How was your daughter's birthday party? Did you survive the Zoom marathon that you had on on Friday? Oh my goodness, that was a long call we had the other week. Something where you are creating a bit more of a personal connection with that person. So it shows that you are writing to them and them alone. Because if you imagine how you meet someone in person, you might say, hi, how are you? But you're, you're getting a response back. Or you might say, if it's someone you know, how are you? Would you say that? You might do, but you might say, oh, how was your, how was your weekend? You know, how's the family? How are the kids? How's your, you know, how's the launch going? Something to create a bit of a point of connection. So that's my advice for starting your email. Super, super important. Great. Well, let's see if I manage to stick to that <laughs> advice in the next email I'll send you. It can be a little test. See how I do. Perfect. I, I'll, uh, I'll send you back a um, red pen version. No, I won't. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So focusing a bit more then on not just how we're getting emails wrong, but how we can get them right. You talk about the three W's when writing an email. Who, what and why. It would be great if you could talk us through this and bring it to life for everyone listening. Absolutely. Well, the one of the biggest problems we make with with emails is that we start writing before we engage our brains. You know, we we're really keen to shoot out those emails. I'm going to fire out some emails this afternoon. I'm going to um you know, get 20 emails out, blitz through my inbox, boom 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 and we're we're fast fast fast. And what we don't do is think. So Often the quality of our emails suffers because of the speed at which we write them. So if we just spend a little more time thinking before we write, then the results we get back are so much improved. We will get faster responses. In fact, I was um, just talking to a client this morning and she said, um, since we've been implementing your technique, she said, I get the feeling people want to reply to me now. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, and that's what we want. We want to be the brightest thing in someone's inbox, not just a chore. Um, you know, you know those people where you you open their emails first because you know that they're going to be interesting or fun, or even if they're going to write about work, they're going to be well written. They'll be short. They'll be to the point. They might have a joke in them. So thinking about our recipient before we write is so important. So the three W's. Who are you writing to? So the first one, who? And that is, what kind of person are they? Uh, are they a warm and fuzzy person? Do they get straight to the point? How senior are they? What kind of culture do they work in? Are you writing to um, a lawyer versus someone in media, darling? You know, where you might get away with a very different greeting. So who are you writing to? Really think about that person, not just a sort of... Um, an email address. There is a person behind the email address. So who are you writing to? Think about their needs, likes, dislikes. What are they interested in? What's in it for them? What are they going to be able to benefit from responding to their your email? What do they want to know? Because this isn't really about you. This is about them. So what do they want or need to know? And then the final one, final W is why. So why should they care? What is the benefit to them of reading your email and responding to it? So if we frame everything in the eyes of our recipient and not about us, if we could put ourselves in, our, in their shoes, even if it's just for 20 seconds, just thinking, OK, who's this person? What do they want to know? Why should they care? We go through those three steps very, very quickly, it will improve the quality of your email considerably. And in many cases, it will actually make writing it quicker for you. Because um, sometimes when we agonise over emails, I know, you know, sometimes clients of mine are saying, can take me one or two hours to write tricky emails. And that's because we haven't done the writing, the thinking first, we've jumped straight into the writing. You've got me thinking now. I try and send out a weekly email to everyone who's signed up to receive HR Coffee Time emails. Kim, I cannot tell you how long it takes me to write those sometimes, <laughs> worrying about getting them just right. I need some sort of special hotline to you so I can call you and say, how can I speed this up a bit? <laughs> Absolutely. It does. You know, it, it can be really, really um, tough, particularly when you're writing to... to um, to lots of people but just thinking a bit more about your audience as that first step and using it as a filter so also what's the flip side of that what are they not interested in what do they not want to know about what's going to drive them crazy are they people who hate waffle are they people who you know will get offended if you're too direct giving a little bit of thought to, to what they don't like as well can be very useful I think that all of these tips are so incredibly helpful well full stop, but especially when you're thinking about writing to one person. I know that one of the challenges for people who work in HR, who, yes, they have to email one person a lot of the time, but they'll also often be tasked with actually writing to, whether it's the entire organisation or a group of people. Have you got some tips about how you can write effectively when it is lots and lots of people who may have different styles that it is your writing to? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and I think I work with a lot of HR professionals and HR teams in organisations and it can be very, very difficult because 
often you might be writing about sensitive subjects or subjects um, that have a lot of information in them. You know, here's the new appraisal process or here's the, you know, our policies or you know, sometimes it can be quite a lot of information that you're having to get across concisely. The dangers um, or the sort of traps that I see HR teams falling into is is going into formal speak and being um, in wanting to sound professional, coming across as a bit cold and distant. So, you know, please find attached our entertainment policy. Um, Should you require any further information, please um, contact the HR team. Adherence to these policies is mandatory. And we go into this sort of quite starchy language that isn't very engaging. And and actually, my programme, Email Engagement, really encourages teams to think about the effect that their their words have on, on people and how can we create those relationships so one of the things that that we talk about is using you and we instead of employees and the organization now this is about creating it's essentially a conversation your email i'd say is is a conversation with a pause so writing as if you were writing to one person this is, imagine that they're in the room with you. What would you say to them in person? And some of my clients actually even record themselves speaking. So if they were to talk that to, to, to someone, um, they can record that and then they just tra- transcribe that as their first draft. So that can be a really good tip for you. But if you're writing a longer email, think about having one person in your head and you can even put their name at the top of the email, even if you're writing to 10,000 people write to one person, put a name at the top and write it almost like a letter to that one person so that you get more uh, of a connection and engagement. You talk to you and we, this is what we're doing. You use very informal language, simple words. So use, not utilise, start, not commence. And this really helps to break down a lot of those barriers that can be built up by this sort of starchy formal speak. Um, because it is, it is really important, particularly when we're spending you know, a lot of money on um, employer branding, for example. And this, I find this really interesting. I'm doing a, um, a session actually um, next month um, on employer branding at a, at a conference. And I always find it really interesting that Organisations will spend all this money on employer branding and they will um, you know, want to attract a diverse range of people and they um, want to show what a great place it is to work in. And then the emails that they send in either in the candidate process, the onboard, you know, all the onboarding process or when they're actually in the, you know, become employees of the organisation, they're just a world away you know, it's like, hey, come and work with us. We've got ping pong tables and, and you know, fake grass in our um, breakout rooms and we're really cool and all this. Stuff. And then they get these really horrible, starchy, stiff emails that um, just are a world away from, you know, the generation um, Zs that they're trying to um, attract. So really giving some thought around how you can loosen up, talk to Um, one person instead of many and create that connection. 
That sounds like a fantastic tip. Well, wasn't just one tip, was it? Lots of fantastic tips, but mainly about really writing to that one person. I'll be keeping that in mind forevermore. Thank you, Kim, when I'm emailing lots of people. And in the book, I know that one approach that you explain that I think would be really helpful for people to hear about is the hamburger technique. Would you mind just talking us through what that is and how that works? Sure, absolutely. Well, the, the hamburger technique, the heck hamburger, heck hamburger technique, I've got my teeth in today, um, is really the foundation of, of my email writing framework. And this is what we teach in the email engagement program. Um, and this is about having a really simple three-step formula that you can apply to any email. So this is whether you're writing to uh, senior management in your organization, whether it's your sales team writing to um, clients, um, your marketing team, um, you know, doing stuff internally. It could be your finance team, your IT, anyone, anyone at all can use this. And it's a three-step technique. So H, so it's H-E-C. And the idea, I liken it to a hamburger because you've got three parts to it, your top bun, the meat of your burger and the bottom bun. So the first step is your H, which is your hook. And that is like the top bun of your burger. And that is how you start your email. And like the top bun of your burger, it's got to look appetizing. That's a bit that you see first. So you want it to look shiny and you want it to look appetizing you don't want it to look moldy or a bit dry or boring because otherwise people won't take a bite of your email i'm going to flog this metaphor to death by the way you'll be you'll be sick of hamburgers by the end but it will stick it in it will stick in your head so your hook so we talked about that earlier that is do not start with i hope you're well how do you create that instant connection in three seconds just three seconds in an email to create that connection. So either do something personal or just get straight to the point. So that's your H for hook. The E of heck, H-E-C, is for explanation. And that is like the meat of your burger. So that is your point. And you want to get that across in two or three sentences maximum. So 80 words maximum per email. That's all you want. So just getting your point across Ditching all the irrelevant filler words, definitely, very, currently, a lot of those words you can just get rid of. Just get to the point in the middle of your email. And then the final part is the C, which is for your call to action. And that is the bottom bun of your burger, okay? Without that bottom bun, it's going to get very messy and the person isn't going to be able to pick it all up and take a bite. So you want all these three parts. And your call to action is the thing that you want them to do next. Ideally, just one thing that you want your reader to do next. And you need to end your email with it. Quite often, we'll hide it in the middle. That's one of the fateful eight, actually. I call it the undertaker. When you it's, it's buried so deep in your email, you'll never find it. So we need to make sure that we, we end with the one thing that we want them to do next. A really clear call to action. So when we get these three steps in place, we can apply them to absolutely any email. And uh, it's there's a rule of three in writing that the things in threes are generally easier to uh, remember and to, to implement. So having a rule of three in your emails is really helpful because every time you just think, right, hook, explanation, call to action, and having it in three parts will really help you structure your emails uh, more clearly and it will help 
the person reading them understand very quickly what it is that you want them to do next. Listening to you talk that through is making me think, oh, I just need a little poster of a hamburger, maybe the one that's in your book, I can just blow it up and stick it on the wall next to me to remind me of all these great tips for writing my next email. But if I just get you to imagine for a moment that I've written an email, I've used the fabulous hamburger technique and it's a brilliant email that has been sent out. But one of the people or their person who receives it doesn't follow through on the call to action so they don't come back to me with what I've asked them for. What are your tips around following up? I know that's something people can feel really uncomfortable about or really unsure as to how best handle that if they've not had a reply to an email that needs a reply. Absolutely. Well, you know, even the best written email sometimes doesn't get a reply. We never know what's going on in someone's life, what they've got on, you know, and how much of a priority your email is for them. Often it might be urgent to us, but absolutely not urgent for the other person. So, of course, we do need to send follow up emails. There's a whole chapter in the book on this and we we cover it in email engagement, too. But this is about, first of all, going back to what I call the scene of the crime. So go back to your original email, because often what we tend to do is just forward the same rubbish email again and hope for a different response. (laughs) And it's a bit crazy, isn't it? Because quite often it's the original email that's the problem. But uh, so assuming that you've written a beautiful email, as you say, you use a heck hamburger technique. um, What do you do next? Well, we tend to... um, often use quite passive aggressive language when it comes to to follow up. Um, So something like, you know, as per my last email or um, a friendly reminder, not sure if you got my last email, Um, these kind of things. Listen, they got your email. (laughs) I hate to break it to you. They got your email. They either didn't read it or they read it and they didn't reply. So let's let's cut to the chase. Have a look through and and think about, you know, how best to motivate them. Are they someone who has a good sense of humour? Because humour in follow-up can work brilliantly. Hey, did you get lost under a pile of invoices and miss my email? You know, was my email just so riveting that you um, fell off your chair and fainted? That can work brilliantly. Obviously, you know, you're not going to, to necessarily send that to your CEO. Sometimes a completely fresh email works better than forwarding the the old one just start again so there's no guilt trip there Um, what you don't want that other person to feel is guilty because when we feel guilty we tend to retreat and avoid we don't come out and face it so you want them to feel like they're not in trouble and then a final tip really is around giving someone a reason to reply to you we are hardwired psychologists show is we're hardwired to respond when people give us a reason for something so if you've asked them for something with a particular deadline you know you can say hey look this is really important that we meet the friday deadline so that we can keep the project on track or so that um, we can get this to the client on time we don't want to disappoint the clients or so that we can launch the new appraisal process on time or whatever that might be So giving people a reason can be a really powerful motivator as well. I said to you when we started recording, oh, it will just be 
really quick, Kim, we're, we're just going to aim for sort of 15 or 20 minutes that I'm conscious that we've gone into a bit longer because I've asked you so many questions. It's so wonderful to hear you talk about all of your advice and knowledge when it comes to writing fantastic emails. So I better start wrapping things up. And you know that I always ask my guests to share a book that they would recommend. Can you share your recommendation with us now? Is it going to be your book or is it a different book? Well, you know, I, I think you've, you've kindly plugged my book enough. So I'll, I'll give um, <laughs> I'll give your listeners an, um, another book that I really love. And it's called Can I Change Your Mind by Lindsay Camp. And it's a brilliant book all around persuasive writing, helping you really understand how to motivate people, how to persuade them, how to influence them um, with your with your writing. So it's a great read. It's really like email attraction my book it's a it's an easy read you can dip in and out of it this isn't going to sit dusty on your shelf like all the other business books that you might have <coughs> I have um <laughs> so um it's a, it's a really great one um just to dip into every now and then thank you and for anyone listening I'll be putting links to that book and also Kim's book email attraction in the show notes so if you're thinking oh gosh I didn't quite hear what Kim said or oh what was the author don't worry just have a little look on the show notes and you'll be able to find it straight away which brings me to the very final part of our time together today Kim which is to say for anyone listening who thinks I need more of Kim in my life and more of her teachings what is the best way of them getting in touch with you? And could you tell us a little bit more about the ways that you can potentially support or work with them? Absolutely. So um, you can get in touch via my website, kimarnold.co.uk. So you can find out more about um, email training. So whether that's delivered directly by us or whether that is via our license program. So that is uh, email engagement. So we train your trainers and managers how to deliver the email engagement workshop across your organisation. So it's a fantastic way to make sure that everyone in your team harnesses the power of email, that they can save time, they can collaborate better with each other, they save effort, you can avoid miscommunications. It's great for writing more inclusive emails um, and so many benefits for your organization so if you're interested in talking about the license program you can also get a taster session for your organization of that do get in touch um, at kimarnold.co.uk well i have no doubt that there will be people getting in touch to learn even more and find out about your course so thank you again kim for coming on the show today it's been brilliant to have you here absolute pleasure Faye I've really enjoyed it thank you thank you for listening today I really hope that you enjoyed this episode if you did like it I'd be hugely grateful if you would rate and review the show for me on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify thanks so much and I will be back again next week